I want to welcome you to Honest Conversations in Black and White uh, with Scott Annual, Virgil Walker. Uh, and we're excited about, uh, A, this new endeavor that we have regarding uh, this podcast, uh, what we're going to be doing in this space. Uh, particularly, I'm excited because we have uh, our dear brother with us, uh, John Benzinger. And I'm, I'm going to introduce him in, in just a moment and unpack uh, what we're going to do in, in this space. But particularly, just want you all to know that uh, that Scott and I are really excited uh, yep. about what we're about to embark upon. I don't know if you want to say a few things about this. Well, or? no, I mean, I'm, I'm excited, a little nervous. No, okay. uh, sitting sitting, you know, next to you at this desk. No, I'm, I'm excited. We've yeah. been looking forward to this. No, absolutely. This will be fun. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm we get to reproduce what we do in the offices like every day. Yeah, now that'll be scary for a lot of people to witness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe we won't reproduce everything. Everything. No, no, Not we can't everything. reproduce everything, yeah. but but but, uh, but this will be a good time. Yep. Well, we are excited to have uh, John Benzinger uh, joining us uh, for our first conversation, uh, our first honest conversation. Uh, this will be a conversation about his book, Stand, and uh, about what, why he put it together, what he put together. And like before I jump into that, I want to start by just introducing you. John is a lead pastor at Redeemer Bible Church there in Gilbert, Arizona. If you haven't been out there, you should you should check it out. If you're even close to the area, I had a chance to spend time uh, there with John and the and the incredible people uh, out in Gilbert. It is an amazing place, amazing space. If you're anywhere close uh, to the area, definitely stop. You guys are a G3. Uh, yep. Network Church uh, connected with us here at G three, uh, so just want to encourage you to check that out. With that said, uh, I want to I want to kind of turn things over to John and just let you uh, kind of unpack a little bit about who you are, your background. I mean, m- most of us know you and and have relationship with you, but there will be some who have never heard of you before. I'm, I'm sure you're shocked by that, and uh, <laughs> not at all. And uh, and and would want to know a little bit more about you. So I'm, I'm going to give you a minute to just kind of introduce yourself and let folks know who you are. Yeah, thanks, brother. Yeah. So John Benzinger, born and raised in uh, Orange County along the beach, Newport Beach, Costa Mesa, mm-hmm. and um, best thing about me, married to my wife Katie, and I uh, have four kids and uh, love them dearly, and they're really the best part of my life. Mm-hmm. And the uh, second best part of my life is getting to be a pastor of Redeemer Bible Church. I told our members this past week, it is it is one of the great privileges of my life that I get to be a pastor at this church. And um, and so th- it, it is it has been an incredible ride at this church, and it's been something to where I am I'm absolutely honored to be the pastor of Redeemer Bible Church and to see the amazing people of the church, to see the amazing team the Lord has, has, has built there, and to, to see the story. I mean, very quickly, the church was dying when I got there in 2014, and uh, God has supernaturally, miraculously turned that church around to go from a church that was on life support to a church that now we have five services every weekend because we just don't have enough space. Uh, it, it, it has been truly remarkable. Yeah. The good thing about uh, about my experience there with you all, uh, yes, there are five services. Yes, there's not enough space. Uh, but the thing that was was really kind of an enjoyable thing, and maybe a byproduct of what you may you know definitely didn't plan, uh, is the fact that that fewer people are able to be there. It still feels like a small church. Uh, yes. You know, each service, you feel a unique sense of the character of the people that are there that are part of what's happening. Uh, it doesn't feel like this overwhelming. I think you told me the numbers are somewhere in the neighborhood of about 1,800 people t- total. Uh, it doesn't feel that way because you're in a service with three or 400 people at a time. Uh, so it's a really, really warm atmosphere, really great, 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 great process. How did how do you all deal with that with multiple services kind of cultivating a, a, a cohesiveness about the church experience for everybody? 
So it, it is really exactly what you said. Is it, it is a very unique experience when you've got five services of between two to five hundred people. Um, it, it's a very unique experience because it does feel like a small church. It just if if you're only going to one, then yeah. But for me, I'm I'm going to five. So I, so I you get, preach five times. Every, I preach five wow. times live every weekend. Yeah. So just did uh, three yesterday and to the day before. And so it is, I, I get, I get four chances to get it right on the last <laughs> one, you know, so that's helpful, but it, it really is something to where I, for, for me, it is a blessing that people are coming mm-hmm. at all. I, I mean, I, I've, I saw the church go from 200 to 90 over, over an eight month span wow. and the church, then the, the members thought, wow, you, you've done such a good job killing our church. How about you become the lead pastor, <laughs> you know? And so then they did. And then from there to go from 90, 90 to 2000 over the next six years was uh, unbelievable. It really is. So we expect somewhere around 2,500 people this Christmas. And it's just, it it is a remarkable thing to see with eight services this Christmas. So I say all that to say, God gets the glory for all of it. This is, he's just taking guys that are real knuckleheads and he's just saying, we're going to bless this and use this. And so we just stand in awe. Nobody's more shocked at all of this than I am. This is no master plan. Yeah, there. I'm, I'm going to, I want to say one more thing and that is about, and, and it's something that's very evident at, uh, at Redeemer and it is, it's the team that you've put around you. You know, Kyle's, you, Kyle traveled with you uh, and, and you've, you've got an incredible, just the, the cohesion of the team that you put around you is, is really unique as well. Uh, different guys, different, different giftings, uh, unique in that regard, but at the same time, uh, there's a cohesion about your love for one another, your your obvious love for the people that you shepherd there. Uh, before I turn things over to Scott to kind of intro the book, uh, I just wanted to kind of give you an opportunity to speak a little bit about, about your team. Yeah, the team is remarkable. It really is. And when I got there, there were, th- there were four of us. Now there's over 30 of us. And it really is 10 pastors. And I, I'm shocked. There, there are guys on that team that I think, how in the world did you, did you get here? How, how are you on this team? For us, it starts with relationship. So we've got to really like a guy. So, so for us, it's, it's, there's a friendship there. There's a ministry's hard enough. Yes, right. So to do it with people that you know and love and you, you spend your life with mm-hmm. is really fun. And it really makes the day-to-day work so much better because I know this guy, I trust this guy. This wasn't a resume, but this is a guy that somebody vouched for, I know personally, and we can say, okay, you're you're in. You're, you're not wearing a practice jersey. Right. You're not trying to figure out if you're on the team. Like, no, if you're here, you're on the team, and you're coming to birthday parties, and you're we're hanging out. Like, that's what we try to do. That's something we try to foster. So because we understand, again, ministry is hard. It's really hard. And so to be able to know, I love this guy. This guy loves me. We, we, we are brothers in arms. We don't just say that. We really want to practice that. And, and then I, I believe the, the better you love each other as pastors, the better you're going to then love the flock. That it's going to start with us and then it's going to go to the rest of the flock. So if we're doing a good job in relationship, but we can always get better. But if, if we're doing a good job in relationship, that's going to then flesh out in the way that we care for the people. That's good. That's good. That's really good. Well, this our main focus of our to- our conversation really flows out of that. Uh, th- this yes. book, Stand Christianity mm-hmm. versus Sh- Social Justice, which uh, we as G three Press were privileged to publish, uh, has already received very good feedback. Has been a blessing Absolutely. to many people, and we just want to let more people know about it. 
but this book came out of your church ministry, absolutely. right? Can you talk a little bit about the background of where this book started? Yeah, it, it absolutely did come out of church ministry because I realized towards the fall of 2020 that I had to protect the flock mm from the social justice movement. And, and I know, I mean, I say it that starkly yeah. because it was in the fall of 2020 that I realized that the social justice movement is not just an in-house debate within evangelical Christianity, that it is actually a another religion. It is an antichrist that is seeking to subvert, overturn, dismantle, destroy evangelical Christianity, and that if Christians don't stand against it, that is what it will do. And so I, 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 I saw the social justice movement going back to 2015, 2016, InterVarsity was bringing in people saying things, and, and I have a background in, in postmodern philosophy, so I was hearing this stuff going, oh, you know, our, our watchman will take care of this, I don't need to worry about this, I'm just going to continue on with my life, and then 16, 17, 18, 19, nothing, 20 happens. I'm thinking, okay, now there's our, our cities are burning down. Like yeah. they're, they're going to say something. The watchmen are all going to come out in mass and say, this is horrible. And it's just crickets, crickets, crickets. And it was in the fall of 20 when I realized, when I made the shift that, wait a minute, this is an anti-gospel. And because this is flooding the, the people that, I, that I, I get to shepherd, this is flooding their social media. Yeah. This is this is flooding their news feeds. Like I, I I now that I see this clearly, I have to stand against it. I and so we did I did three sermons, I did four interviews, six podcasts, all on this issue at that time to solidify people in at Redeemer to say this what whatever happens in other churches is fine. This is not going to be acceptable here. Yeah. We will stand against it. Well, it's such a good model too, because you know theologians, seminary professors, seminary presidents, ministry leaders are all valuable and important. But at the end of the day, it's the pastors who have to take a stand and instruct their people and protect their flock, like you talked about. Uh, Because if the pastors don't do it, then these churches are, like you said, it's it's in the homes of our people, right? And were you seeing that actually in in the life of your church, witnessing kind of the encroachment of these ideas into your people's lives? Absolutely. So I had moms coming up to me in tears around this time. My Thanksgiving is going to be destroyed. My oh, son wow. is saying that I'm a, I'm a white, uh, I'm a privileged oppressor because of my skin color. Um, multiple moms that I can see in my mind's eye right now. I, I, this young, young woman in our church came up to me at the back. I shake hands as people leave. And she said to me, tears in her eyes, my school is woke. My job is woke. My family is woke. My church, this church is the only place in my entire life where I am free from this stuff. I'm so grateful because every single place I'm an outcast yeah. because, I'm a, because I'm a follower of Christ and I don't believe this stuff. Here's an oasis for me. So I, I, that, that story has been told over and over again. And then the second piece of it, it wasn't just the people in the church because what they did is they all have friends who are going to woke churches mm. and they started saying, hey, you need to watch this podcast. You know, watch this interview with you and Daryl, mm-hmm. you know, and say, hey, you need to watch this because what's happening at our church at that time, the churches they were going to is not right. And, the, and this, this puts the finger on it. And then the third thing is that people started realizing as my church is going sideways 
as I'm losing trust in the leadership because they're embracing anti-Christian ideology and trying to synthesize it with the Bible. Wait, there's a church in our area where, where people, where I'm going to be safe? Yeah. Where, where the, the leaders aren't going to do that, where they're not going to compromise, where they're not going to try to mix the world with, with Christian theology and create some, 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 some horrible conglomeration. Uh, okay, I'm leaving my church and I'm, I'm going to that one because these leaders, not, not because, let me put it this way, these leaders left me. A long time right. ago. Exactly. I, I never changed. I never moved. They yeah. left me. Yeah. They changed our church without telling me about it. I'm going to go find a church that more fits what I believe about God and his truth. I, I wanted to ask you, because early on, I remember when we, when we began early on having conversations with you guys at Redeemer, this was not a, a knee-jerk reaction for you guys. Mm-hmm. This was not a, we stand on on this this conservative side of this issue, and you know we're, we're against social justice. Uh, for you guys, if I remember the, pro- it took a minute for you to to think through and to process. Speak a little bit about what 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 went through your mind. How were you How are you navigating the the place where you got to now? Like you're, most would say, hey, you're you're on the 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 right side of the social justice issue, right? You're you're to the right, and, and I, I mean that just from a maybe from a, a socio cultural perspective. I'm I'm more conservative about this. I'm gonna. I'm not appealing to uh, sensitivity of the human condition. I'm not gonna appeal to emotion. I'm gonna appeal to what Scripture has to say about this subject, and that's gonna be my plumb line. Uh, n- not that you weren't there before, sure. but as you witnessed what was taking place, t- speak a little bit because you, you're kind of on that left coast, mm-hmm. uh, not all the way out, <laughs> almost, but, yeah. but but you're almost there. And 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 I'm sure that the that the that the primary focus uh, of folks that were there in that that, that liberal part of the country, that left leaning part of the country. Uh, was not where you are now. Uh, they were probably opposite that. What was your process for getting there? What 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 did it take for you to go from? Hey, I, I need to vet this out. I need to examine this. Kind of speak to that a little bit. Yeah. So having a background in postmodern philosophy, I was able to see things uh, through that lens pretty quickly. That okay, I, I know the the authors that that these guys are building their philosophies from. I, I get it. I I've read them, and so so as I'm listening to it, what I'm doing is I'm being a, a good a, a good follower in the tribe, and in the tribe, you, you kind of wait for your your higher ups right. to speak to it right. to speak to an issue because you don't really trust yourself. Right until you can hear it said by somebody that's above you, smarter than you, has a bigger platform than you. Okay, they, they, okay they've now said it, so now I'm okay. So, so I'm sitting here going, well, I, I know this is wrong, but how, why am I not hearing this? Except for a, a few courageous exceptions, uh, I'm not hearing this. I mean, there is new perspective on Paul. There's the emergent church. There's open theism. There's a, a litany of things over the past 20 years that 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 men rose up together in unity, turned their guns against it, destroyed it, and then we just moved on. Yeah. Uh, like over and over again, we had that. We've had that, but not on this one. Mm-hmm. And that's where I I, I questioned myself. Like, am I, am I seeing this right? Sure. I think I'm seeing it right, but, but maybe I'm not seeing it right. And it wasn't until a conference that, that, that you were at mm-hmm. in, in Tampa, Sovereign Nations Conference, where, where everything made sense to me at that point. And I went, wait a minute, I can't wait anymore. Mm-hmm. 
this this two things now that i understand that this is an anti-gospel book of galatians deals with this issue number one number two i have to protect the flock now because now i can't let them get caught up in this waiting for somebody else to talk about it i have to talk about it now god's equipped me to do it god has given me the 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 biblical training given me the training in philosophy and theology i i I can do this i'm 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 not waiting anymore i can't wait for the watchman anymore i've got to jump in the fray and i've got to help one of the things that i I love about your book in particular and and why i had the conversation uh, with scott about it and 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 i don't even remember the origin of it all I, i i knew that you were working on um you know on a on a an, an exposition of Galatians in an effort to deal with the issues, which was a un, which was unique. Um, the, the the talks that I've given, it, it's all you know. Who were the players? Uh, what were they doing? Where 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 their philosophies lie? And we kind of unpacked that piece. When when we got this book, mm-hmm. this was kind of the first book that said. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna submerge myself in Scripture. Right. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna anchor myself in the Word of God. I'm gonna preach through Scripture and address these issues head on. <clears throat> One of the things that that, that I love about Stand uh, is that it's unique in that regard. Right. Uh, it, it's not a it's it's not a it's not a work where you know it's not a work for academicians. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not looking at uh, you know philosophies of of, of culture. Uh, you know Marxism, for example, and unpacking that and saying he, here's here's where the Marx were and here's where they get it wrong it's looking at the it's looking at the person in the pew Mm -hmm. and saying okay open your bible and i want to show you what's in scripture and and what and why what we need to think about the issues of the day uh we need to look at them and view them through the lens of what scripture has to say about it i thought i thought that was unique in the the writing style of that so any thoughts about well we were yeah we were just talking about this the other day there's a need for books like that right the more academic digging into some of that the value of this book is that it's accessible for the person in the pew. You can tell a pastor wrote this mm-hmm. as a fruit of his ministry to his people. Amen. And so it's already been a blessing and can continue to be a blessing to other churches as well. Yeah, that was the overall, that was the goal. Yeah. And, it, and it came from a belief in the sufficiency of Scripture. Right. That if Scripture is sufficient, then I can go to Scripture and learn from the example in scripture, how to deconstruct this anti-gospel. And so I just thought, okay, if this is an anti-gospel, which it is, which book of the Bible deconstructs an anti-gospel? It's Mm -hmm. the book of Galatians. So I'm going to go through Galatians. I'd preached through Galatians back in 16 and 17. And so I said, okay, I'm going to bring the book of Galatians now, and I'm going to treat... Uh, the social justice movement, the way that Paul treated the Judaizers. And so I'm going to use his arguments now against the social justice movement just to watch. And, w- and when I did that, gosh, the whole thing opened up mm. in incredible ways that I wasn't expecting. All of these parallels be- that, that are all throughout the book, yeah. all these parallels began to, to be evident within the book and not just how to critique it, but in chapters four, five, and six, what to do instead. How, how to respond to it. Well, and it, that was huge. Yeah, and the beauty of that is you're not only helping people deconstruct this present crisis, right. you're not just giving them fish, you're teaching them to fish. Right. You're actually equipping them for the next thing that's going to come down the road, five, yeah. ten years you know, down the road. Uh, they've got the biblical material and equipment to be able to, to attack those things as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I, I try really hard in all my preaching to speak to the normal person yeah. in the in the crowd, and that's one of the feedback that I get most that I love the most 
is when somebody says to me, you are so clear. Mm -hmm. I don't use big language. I don't use, I don't use seminary language at all. All of that's out of my vocabulary unless I'm going to explain it. I'm going to define it after I say it. I I try hard, really hard to do that. And so when you read a book like Stan, that's really the idea is that I'm trying to take this and give people language and give people uh, a framework in their head so that they can easily explain it to somebody at their job or mm. around the Thanksgiving Christmas dinner table to be able to say, yeah, this is why it's wrong. And it's easy to understand. It's easy to share with somebody else. That was the goal. Yeah. 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 Well, one of the things that, that I'd say is now that social justice has been such a byword that, that, you know, CRT has been such a byword. You've got, you know, homeschool or, or moms who are now pulling their kids out of public schools because of the issues of, of CRT. And, and even, even at that, when you begin to dig down, most of them have a philosophical idea as to why they believe it's wrong. Hey, I don't want my kid who happens to be white to, to be experiencing white guilt. Uh, I, I don't want, I don't want, uh, if, if I have a black child, I don't want the black child uh, that, that, that I'm sending to a public school system uh, to feel like they're always a victim. There, there are those categories and, and that's helpful on one, uh, on, you know, on one plane. I think this is unique in that it takes the Christian outside of the wor- world of philosophical ideology and into the idea of biblical theology. Mm-hmm. And it really, again, I, everywhere I go, whenever I get a chance to, to speak, I'm always, I'm often asked, what books do you recommend? Because mm-hmm. people want to be fed. They mm-hmm. want to dig deeper into this. And, and, and stand by far is one of them because of the fact that it, it's going to help the person open up the Bible, look at the issue, and really kind of un- unpack it from there. Talk a little bit about kind of the structure, because in the back of each section, you put some, some, some kind of Q&A, some questions, mm-hmm. uh, ideas about, about folks that, that can answer certain things. Were, were you thinking, I want this to be a Bible study? I, I know it was initially written for your, for your church, but, but kind of speak to how, how you began putting it together and the thoughts behind that. So I wanted it to be easy to understand, number one. I wanted each chapter to be short. And I wanted, you helped me with putting questions at the end of each chapter. Most of the questions at the end of each chapter are taking the ideas that you, you may have read about or know about and doing looking at Scripture and saying, okay, how does Scripture contradict this? Or what does Scripture say that, that, that supports the idea that you shouldn't? You shouldn't get involved in the social justice movement. So I, I put it all together that way. It's only 91 pages of text. And so it's a short book, short chapters, because I, I understand enough about people to know that the longer it is, the longer the chapters are, that the, the less they're going to read it. Right. And so that's where for me, I, I would like everybody to be an academician and have multiple degrees and all, but, but people just aren't that way. And so rather than, than writing a book to, way, to the way people should be, I wrote it, wrote it to where they actually are. Sure. And so, and then from there, it's, it's what's the problem? Why is this wrong? And how do you, how should we respond? And so it's, it, so it really came out of the three sermons that I did on this issue, but, and then expanding it to, to give more, uh, more support for the things that I said, more footnotes in there. So people, but I think total, there's about 15 footnotes. So it's not an academic book really at all. It's really, like I said, it is meant to help the everyday person understand 
understand what they're seeing on their news feeds, what they're seeing on the television, and understand it from a biblical worldview. But then you even include a whole appendix of recommended resources for those who want exactly. to go deeper. Which yeah, is, 20 pages of exactly, recommended right. resources. Yeah. Categorized. I, I, categorized yeah. under different subjects, yep. and then uh, saying these are the ones that you should start with, with little asterisks there to, make, to, to help people that do want to go deeper. Hey, I'm going to give you the best stuff that I've found in order to do that. So let me ask you a question. You you said earlier, you made a statement that, that actually stood out to me in the book, that this issue of social justice is not just another in-house Christian debate, right. but it's actually another religion. I mean, that's even a title of chapter five. It's another religion, right? So how do you process that? I mean, what how do you differentiate as a pastor, and how should all Christians differentiate the difference between an in-house debate and something that's bigger and actually needs something more like this and a direct frontal attack like this does? So two ways, really quickly. Number one, uh, I, I taught at a university and at a high school, and so I taught Christian worldview. And so I take James Sire's mm-hmm. seven worldview questions, yep. and then I, I look at these, these different things and ask those seven questions. Uh, I boiled it down then from, from that seven to four, which is authority, God, Christ, and the gospel. How does somebody saved? And so when, you, when I look at just those four, what is the authority? Well, it's not the Bible. This did, the social justice movement did not come out of exegesis of right, the text. Right. So it's, it's got a totally different authority, a whole canon of woke authors that are the authority, not the Bible. It's, it's view of God. It's an, athe- it's an atheistic worldview right there. So it's, it, it has nothing to do with God. It's, it's the, the, the state becomes God or the individual is God. It's not Jesus becomes a social justice warrior. So we're just going to co-opt him <laughs> and everything else in order to move our ideology right. and salvation has nothing to do with personal sin and redemption. It's corporate sin and it's corporate salvation and it's an eschaton where we overturn everything. So so it's a completely different religion just on those four points, let alone James Sire 7. And so for me, looking at it worldview, looking at it biblically, I mean, I use those four things for Mormonism, for Catholicism, for everything. I, I to, to try to to make it very understandable for the for the everyday person. How can you how, why, why is this a false religion? Well just look at those for authority, God, Jesus, and the message of salvation. And that will help you see this is not a different form of Christianity. Right. This is a new religion. Yeah, that's really helpful. So so what do you say to somebody? Because they're out there. We hear this all the time. You're overblowing this. Yeah. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, maybe there's some some erroneous elements to it, um, but it's not, it's not that big a deal. Because like you said, the watchmen remain silent because they clearly – didn't see it as a big deal, or or what? Why didn't they speak up? What would, what would you? How would you respond to that? Yeah, I I I'm still amazed that they they haven't spoken up. Many of them that we have we've trusted. Um, why haven't they spoken up? Because they are afraid hmm. to speak up. Um, but I why on they, this and not yeah. some of those other things you said earlier? Yeah, because I think a couple of reasons. Number one, I think evangelicalism has a fatal flaw built within the very beginning of it, which is the desire for respectability. Mm. Built, it, I mean, it's a germ. It's a virus at the very beginning of the whole thing. Yep. And that right. virus is now like almost full grown with this issue. Because nobody wants to be called a racist. Nobody wants to be called a sexist or a homophobe. And so, so right now, evangelicalism with this, with this virus of, of respectability is being, is being pushed at 
these other things were were theological issues mm. within a within a certain small segment of society. This is now culture wide. Yeah. And evangelicals believe if they like me, they'll like Jesus. Right. You know, if they respect me, then they're going to give Jesus a hearing. Right. They they have no concept of depravity, no concept of original sin that they that that functions in their ministry philosophy. Mm-hmm. So that if if they like me, they'll like Jesus. And so, gosh, I I got to make sure that I I don't say anything. I got to make I don't want to make anybody mad at me. And, and and we we live under this cloud of gosh, I've got to gain your respect and your approval. When, when in my head I'm going, gosh, I, I have an appointment with the Lord that I'm not going to miss, Amen. and I want His approval on that day. And if that means disapproval now, that's fine. Number one and number two, God always has His remnant; He always has His people. So there's always going to be people that hear truth and go, "I want more of that." Mm-hmm. So if people leave, I mean, we had people leave our church, and we took a stand on this when we said, "This isn't. We're, we're not going to be a church that does this." People left our church and went to the the churches that were doing it. Fine, that, that that's fine. And in the sense, like you're gonna you're gonna leave us for that, okay? Whatever. Right. But at the end of the day, God's people hear it. God's spirit within them goes, wait, that's truth. I want more of that. So so I think, one, there's, there's a virus within evangelicalism of respectability and relevance that, 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 that taking it out of that uh, illustration and bring it into what I think it really is, which is an idol. It is an idol that evangelicals have worshipped at for decades. And, uh, and, and as a result of that, they have this... I, I don't know. I, I mean, what what is this? What is this group going to think of me? What is this? Is is this guy going to endorse my book? Is this school going to take my students? Like, this is the thing. They're they're, they're weighing this cost benefit analysis constantly. Yeah. Where before you could be seen as a hero. You, you go after the emergent church. Well, nobody really cares about that anyway. Well, we'll just destroy them. Yeah. Well, guess what? They're back. They're back now yeah. in the social justice movement, coming for you again. But now you're not going after them. Now you're being quiet. And then now guys like me had to sit back and go, gosh, am I, maybe I'm arrogant. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm an idiot because these guys aren't doing it. Right. And that's where I just go, I don't, I don't care. Like I, I, I'm me and this is the flock that I'm responsible to. I'm not responsible to the watchmen. I'm not responsible. I'm responsible to the elders of my church. That's it. Yeah. And so I don't care what these other groups think, or it doesn't matter. I'm going to stand before the Lord and give an account for these people, and I have to protect them. So, so what it's done for me is it's made me go evangelical elites and all that. You can have them. Like I, I've, I've got to care Amen. for this flock, yeah. right? And so, so I think there's that. I think there's there's benefit in the culture to not talking about it, because the like someone like mm-hmm. me might go, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. But there's a whole bunch more people that go, Hey, come speak at my thing. Hey, come, come I'll, I'll I'll endorse your book. Mm-hmm. So so they get bent cultural benefit mm-hmm. from it mm-hmm. as well. So that's why they're not talking about yeah. it. But what's happening is that these guys that did that now are like privately repenting. Right. And now they're being platformed again. Well, I was going to ask you about that. And now I'm going, Yeah, this is, where is the repentance? Yes. Uh, great. You're repenting are in the back room. Are they even privately repenting? Right. I mean, that's you're, the maybe you're repenting in the back room. I'll never do it again. It doesn't matter. Yeah. This was These were public, uh, we'll just say indiscretions, let alone sin. You let wolves, you let wolf ideology into evangelicalism. You were asleep on the wall. 
And now you just get back up on the stage and it's like nothing ever happened. You don't get confronted publicly. You don't, you're not asked to, to say, you know what? I did that and, and forgive me. I shouldn't have platformed. I shouldn't have talked to this. I shouldn't have done this with that guy. Like there's none of that happening right now. And so what it does for the rest of us in the pews is we're going, am I wrong? Yeah. Or what it does is it makes me go, I, can I really trust the guys that are now platforming you? Yes. Can I really trust them now? Because is this really what I what I refuse to believe it was? Is this really a good old boy network <laughs> where everybody slaps each other's backs behind the scenes? The rest of us are just supposed to go with whatever's out on stage. We're supposed to do whatever we're told. But behind the scenes, well, you know, if, if I don't do this and he won't endorse my book, if I don't do this, he's not going to send students to my school. It's like did we really just sell our credibility and our, our influence and our platforms for that bowl of porridge? Really? Gosh, I, I, I don't want to believe that. Yeah. But as somebody, as somebody sitting in the pews watching it all, it's incredibly disheartening. And, and, and so it makes me just look at it all and go, forget it all. Like I'm, I've got a, I've got a flock of people to care about. That's all I care about. Yeah. Yeah. And there were so many things that you said I wanted to jump in the, the middle of. I think the first part of it was uh, the fact that folks are looking for, 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 re- for relevance mm-hmm. rather than the, God's revelation of truth. Mm-hmm. I think we've got a culture that is engaged in this process of just racial idolatry uh, where we've bowed the knee uh, to, to, to racialism, right, to, to uh, colorism. Uh, and have have made a decision that you know the 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 more melanin in your skin, the more truth you provide. Uh, and as a result of that, if 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 you're white and male, you'd better shut up and say little mm-hmm. to nothing. And so a lot of the, you have a camp who's done that. You have the other camp mm-hmm. who's jumped on the bandwagon <clears throat> and promoted the the, the racial idolatry uh, and 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 advanced it. And now you've got uh, you know on the back end, folks who who have kind of wiggled away for a while. And are now starting to kind of peek, peek their heads back up mm-hmm. and, and, and into the fray. Uh, and it, it is disheartening uh, at the end of the day. But I think, I think going back to the point that you made, which is w- you know, local church pastors, as we watch all of this unfold, have a responsibility to the flock that, that they have in front of them. Uh, and, and I was going to ask you earlier, and you kind, of, you kind of alluded to it, you know, how, did, how was this received? Uh, my my experience is it's always a twofold thing. It's always there'll be those who will, who will leave, right? But there are also those who say, "Thank you." Oh yeah. Thank you for for being willing to say what I I believed all along. Thank you for being willing to say what Scripture says, uh, and, and they do so from a heart of 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 just honesty and saying, you know, I, I didn't I, the issue of of isms, racism, I, I call ethnic hatred, mm-hmm. was not in my heart. Right. Um, I, I didn't have that. That wasn't there. And as a result, it was difficult to listen to someone tell me over and over again that yeah. I was a racist on the basis of the of the level of melanin that was in my skin. Um, so thank you for being willing to say, no, that's not true. Here's what Scripture says. All of us are sinners uh, and in need of a Savior. And I'm going to present that Savior to you uh, in such a way that you can come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ and follow him all the days of your life. <clears throat> I, I love the book. I love what we, what you've, you've done with it. Um, the audience who, who's, and, and I know that initially from a standpoint of the preaching, the target audience were the people in the pews, but how are you hopeful that this book is used? How do you hope this book gets used uh, in, in local church settings? Well, I'll answer that question, but I do want to jump off of sure, what you sure, just, sure. Yeah, what yeah. you just said that, we, we had a very small amount of people leave mm-hmm. and we had hundreds show up yeah. hundreds 
because people are starving right now for clarity. They want, they want to see things. They want to understand what's going on. They, they are starving for men of conviction. Mm-hmm. They see the compromise. They see the, the, the weak knees and the jelly spines, and they're like, ah, that's, that's not leadership. And they are starving for courage. They want guys who are willing to stand in front of the firing line who will protect them from getting hit yeah. and say, we'll, we'll take those for you. They, they, they're, God's people are starving for that because they're getting the opposite. So what, what are they doing? They're looking at the world and they're, they're looking at political pundits. They're looking at others and saying, they're the ones who are doing it. You know why? Because my pastor's not. Yeah, that's right. My pastor is hiding behind his pulpit. Mm-hmm. My pastor's hiding in his office. Or my pastor's embracing this because he's afraid of what people are going to do to him if he doesn't. Right. And so what do they do? They, they, they look to the world. They look to, they look to these worldly figures and say, they're the ones who are going to help us. And some of them can be very helpful. But gosh, it should be your pastor. Yes. It should be the elders of your church. Yeah. It should be the it should if you're a denominational church, it should be the the leaders in your denomination who are all rising up and saying, Yeah, follow us as we follow Christ. But they're not. And so that that's been the hard part of this. So a lot a lot left, a ton came. And the ones that came, when you do that, what what I've found is that when you do that, the people in your church pray for you. I've had so many people that that is the thing they say to me, Pastor, you're saying things that that I don't hear any pastor saying. I'm just like, like you got a really small circle of people you're listening to, but anyway, <laughs> I'm hearing things that nobody from you that nobody else is saying. I pray for you all the time, all the time, Pastor, because because you're you're probably taking it. And, and my, I mean, and, and my life has not been significantly damaged by any of this. I really just the opposite. The Lord has blessed it, but 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 th- this so so to to come back now. This was written for for God's people. Mm. So so the target audience was if you are alive in twenty twenties, <laughs> like and and you are a Christian, you need to be equipped to handle the major cultural shift going on in our world right now. You've got to be able to see this clearly and hear help. Let me help you do that through the lens of the Bible, through the through Galatians primarily and other texts of scripture to help you understand that what you're seeing is not Christianity. It cannot be fused with Christianity. It must be pushed against. It must be stood against. Yeah. yeah. So it's written for everybody. Yeah. So the bottom line is, if you're listening to this podcast and you are alive, you need to go buy this book, Stand Christianity versus Social Justice. No, it really is. It's a it's a great blessing and a great a great way to fortify pastors, but every person in the pew against this really dangerous movement. Amen. And it is it is dangerous because we have examples of this in history when this was embraced 100 120 years ago yep. the result was what we have now with the apostate mainline That's denominations right. exactly. so evangelicals believe that they can imbibe this this ideology but not become like the mainline right. denominations right. so it's an, th- there's an arrogance there right. that we can do this and we can succeed where these other failed. groups failed yeah. well these other groups were trained at harvard these other groups were trained at Yale and 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 Princeton. Like that's where they were trained, and they went down these roads. And so, what? Wh- why do you think, pastor, who has no education or barely any? Why do you think you're going to be able to do it when they didn't? Yeah. No, you're going to. You may not end up there, 
but the people that you're discipling, the, the, the young children in your youth group right now who are watching you go embrace this stuff, they'll just forget Christianity and, and go headlong into this. And again, that, that's not me being a prophet. This is what I think is going to happen. No, this already happened. Yeah. It's already happened. We're not learning from history because we don't know history. We, we read leadership books. We become experts <laughs> in things that don't matter. Right. We don't read books on history, so we don't know how we got here. We don't read theology. That's all boring. And so, no, we're, we're reading this other stuff. We're reading Twitter, Twitter all day. So, no, at the end of the day, if pastors knew this, this kind of thing would come in and be like, oh, here we go again. Like you said, 10 years from now, it's, it's always something else, yeah. you know, and they would just see it. They'd attack it. Their people would be protected and they'd move forward and the culture would do whatever. Uh, that That's my hope for pastors is that they'll see something like this and go, man, I may not have the, the kind of training that guy had, but I can open a Bible. Right. I can train people and I can read some books or listen to some podcasts to try to get up to speed on these things. I, I have to protect my people, the people that God, and really not my people, they're God's people who've been entrusted to me. I have to protect them from this. I can't wait for somebody else to do it. Yeah. I've got to do it. Yeah. I, I appreciate your pastoral heart and, and your obvious passion uh, for the flock of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and protecting them. My prayer would be that other pastors would hear you know, this podcast uh, and go pick up this book, uh, begin walking through it from a textual standpoint, being anchored in Scripture uh, and, and using that as the lens by which they view culture uh, and, and then feel more equipped uh, to speak more directly, clearly, uh, and effectively about these issues. I know we, we were God. very proud yep. uh, at G3 to be able to, uh, to, to, to uh, publish uh, this book. Uh, it's, it's had great success. Yep. Uh, I'm, sh- I'm certain it will continue uh, to do that. Before we, I don't, I don't know if you know this, John, but there's a little bit of a competition internally <laughs> in terms of the <laughs> sales that? of this book and Why Are You Afraid? <laughs> okay. So there's a little competition <laughs> going on. I didn't know on. that. Yeah. And who this, wrote, this, who are you? Who, are you? Yeah. <laughs> who, 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 who wrote that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. Praise the Lord. Yeah, no, yeah. We're, we're excited uh, for you. And, and I mean, if, if there's going to be a book that surpasses the one that Daryl and I have written, <laughs> I would hope that it would oh, be that, that it would be I, man. I, I hope three, four times as many people uh, pick this book up and take full advantage of it. This is an issue that is not going away. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, this is an issue that will be in place for quite some time, and it's imperative uh, that pastors, that church leaders, and that people in the pew understand it and understand it from a biblical perspective. So I just want to thank you yep. uh, for publishing mm-hmm. it. I want to give you any last word that you want to say or share or, or things that yeah. you would want to encourage folks to do as, yeah. as we wrap up here. Yeah, there, there's a picture online. I just saw it yesterday of uh, a whole basketball team kneeling and one guy standing and it said, be that guy. Mm-hmm. And what, what I remembered, because that was new, what I remembered was the picture of, uh, of Germany in the 1940s. Yeah of all the people hailing Hitler except for one guy who's got his arms crossed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, at right now, who would you want to be in that picture? Mm-hmm. At the time, everybody there was, was hailing Hitler mm-hmm. except that one guy who took a stand. And I think we, we have God's spirit living in us. We have God's word in front of us. We have God's people around us. If anybody is going to stand against this, it's got to be the church. It has to be. And whether that's 
large, whether that's pulling your kids out of school, whether that's not going to the DEI training at your job, knowing that's going to cause you problems at your job and maybe even lose your job. Is God sovereign in that moment? Is he not sovereign in that moment? Uh, whether it's school, standing up against it at school, whether it's wherever, or standing up against it at your church, wherever it is, or we're not saying like become some politician and stand against it with thousands of people. I'm just saying in whatever context, text you find yourself in. Maybe it's just Thanksgiving. Maybe it's Christmas. Mm-hmm. And, and you've got a son or a daughter that are coming at you. Don't just take it. Like now, now you'll have a tool to help you have a, have a kind and, but, but informed conversation about these issues so that, so that if this is going to be pushed back in our culture, it's got to be the church that Amen. does it. Amen. Well, want to thank you for joining us, man, for this honest conversation. Uh, and, and Scott and I are excited about this new endeavor, Honest Conversations in Black and White. We'll be interviewing folks that uh, are, are part of G3 Press, uh, folks that are, have written blogs for us, or just folks that we want to engage uh, in conversations. And so we're happy that you joined us for this episode. Tune in next time for the next edition of Honest Conversations in Black and White.